Hey, this is Ryan Chapman with Fix Your Funnel. Today, I'm with Casey Gleaton. And Casey, uh, tell us a little bit about what your business is all about. Well, the um, uh, name of the company is Mindshare Media, and what we do is provide uh, off-site chief marketing officer services for small businesses. Uh, basically, what we try to do is implement the uh, lifecycle marketing system that Infusionsoft uses in uh, companies and make sure that they're able to uh, completely market their business in the best possible way. Awesome. So how did you get to the point where you're offering the services you do today? Well, you know, what's the background story on Casey? I'm sorry. What's your background story? Basically? Oh, <laughs> well, my background story, I guess, uh, more than anything, I started out as uh, an engineer, electrical engineering in, in school and uh, decided that uh, I didn't want to do that. What I wanted to do was kind of build things and create opportunities. And so I started a marketing company and we started looking at the more analytical side of marketing and how you can turn things around. And that's how I really got into Infusionsoft. And then what Were there I, some people that kind of inspired you in the beginning there? Wow. There are a lot of people that were inspirational. I mean, uh, you know, I'm one of those guys that really liked uh, Tony Robbins and mm -hmm. a lot of the, the the business gurus that are out there. Jim Rohn was like one of my favorites. And I have his book right on my desk right here, Treasury of Quotes. I like to, to look for something good in that each day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great guys. You know, they yeah. have a lot of great information. Okay. So, so you, you started out in electrical engineering so that was was that something you wanted to do as a kid or was that something like somebody told you you should do or how'd you get started into that no as a kid i always wanted to fix things and uh -huh. so you know that's why i found myself fixing uh people's marketing right now i mean that's really what it breaks it's just down. an extension of what you really went to school for you just didn't want to do that particular facet of it right well, you know, I just wanted to be in business. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to work for a business. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so early all along, you kind of knew that, but then you found this opportunity to go into it. And you found Infusionsoft before I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Said eight, I was, nine years ago? Yeah, about eight, nine years ago, I started using Infusionsoft. Uh, it was kind of at the beginning, and there have been so many changes, and it's a, you know, it's How a much better How did you get introduced right to it? I, I'm fascinated by how that story must have gone. Well, when uh, I started looking, I knew that I needed some kind of system. And I started looking at, uh, you know, things like ACT, which back then was, uh, yeah. was, was big. Yeah, I'd used um, ACT before, which was, you know, basically just for you because you couldn't communicate with anybody with it really. Right. There was very little that you could do with it, but the, it was a contact management software yeah. that was out there. And then uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, I worked with him in, uh, and he created a the number one personal pro productivity software for the Mac. It's called Daymaker okay. um, you know, way back when. And so just talking with him and going through a number of different things, I realized that I needed something to help me manage my day and manage the other stuff that I needed to do. And in looking, I found Infusionsoft, and it offered a lot more than just um, – you know, the, the day management, it offered uh, the ability to manage your business, which is what I was really looking for. Yeah. That's so fascinating. Um, just to hearing all the ways that people get introduced to it. So you actually sought it out. It wasn't that somebody found you and told you about it. You, you were looking. 
No, well, you know, as a guy that, that that's used to, you know, uh, fixing things and uh, breaking things down into their component parts and figuring them out, I had to find something that kind of worked for me mm-hmm. and had all the pieces that I needed. And the only thing that I found that was even close and priced right was Infusionsoft. I mean, it was a, it was much more expensive than it is now. Yeah, was it like but, five grand at the time or? Yeah, it was like five grand. It was like, uh, you know, f- Five hundred dollars or six hundred dollars a month or something like that. Ooh, I must I mean, have got was, in at the right time because mine is significantly cheaper than that. Yeah, you're right. You know, mine is now as well. But you know, uh, I, I you know, I'd be, I'd paid that money for such a long time yeah. that uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of the uh, older users of the software. Oh yeah, now that, for sure. Even yeah, at, now that uh, doesn't mean that I used it the way that it should have been used, but I'm one of the older users. So talk about that evolution a little bit, um, because I think that's an evolution everybody has to go through in some form. I mean, even with the best training, onboarding or what have you, there's there's certainly some mind shifts that have to happen in order for you to really start leveraging what Infusionsoft can do. Right. Well, you know, the biggest thing that I found, I mean, it took years before I really started using it the way that I, I could and should. And even today, I probably only use maybe 50% of what I probably should. But the fact is that there are so many people that are out there talking about what you can do and what you should do and how to implement Infusionsoft and people that are gurus out there. But I tell you, the biggest thing that you need to do, the thing that worked for me, was to just get in the software and build it. And once you do that, you'll understand it, you'll know it, you'll learn it, you'll be an expert at Infusionsoft. I mean... When I call into uh, tech support today, I'm probably, you know, teaching them a few things because I have spent that kind of time in the software. Yeah. Well, now, from your perspective, where you are as someone who helps people with Infusionsoft as well as with their marketing, to me, it makes a whole lot of sense for you to be investing that kind of time and be in there. But, you know, don't you think it's a little bit different for your average business owner? I mean, I think they need to be aware of some of the powers you know, that are available to them so they can kind of guide that strategy. But my, you can disagree with me by all means, but my personal philosophy is that as the business owner, you really shouldn't be in the software very much at all, except for just to get data, you know, to make decisions. Um, My personal philosophy is have members of your team cross-trained in how to do things in Infusionsoft and just direct them or hire somebody that can do that for you. Like, for example, your team, where you can just say, hey, here's what I need to have done in my business and then let them go ahead and get into the the details. What's your thoughts on that approach and philosophy? Well, I agree 100 percent. For me, I felt that I needed to to dig into it in order to learn how to run my business. But my business is doing that. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so I'd say that uh, for the average business owner, you want to learn as much as you can to make sure that you can get what you need out of it. But you want to make sure that you have someone that absolutely knows what to do, how to use the system and how to make it work for your business someone that can tailor all of those things for you. So yeah. if it's someone on staff or someone like us, I mean, we can uh, we can certainly help you do that. Yeah, so, I, and that's, the reason I say that is because I see a lot of people who, like, the value they bring to their business is not necessarily the technology side, but they hear about Infusionsoft, they get excited, they buy it, and suddenly they think they want to train themselves to become an Infusionsoft expert. 
Mm-hmm. And now they're distracted from doing what it was that brought the value to the business in the first place. You know, getting excited about this automation, which certainly can add huge leverage. But I really think that in most circumstances, that's a big mistake. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to understand why they get excited about it. I mean, because it is exciting. You know, it's it's neat to think about, oh, wow, all these things can be happening automatically that my employees used to fail at doing consistently forever. <laughs> you know, that's that's mm-hmm. kind of an exciting and fun thought. And I think sometimes people are like, oh, great, now I can finally make this and this happen. And uh, it's not that they shouldn't be excited about those things, but I, I think there's real danger in thinking that you as the business owner, because you decided to acquire this software, should now suddenly become the expert in it. I think, like you're, to your point, get familiar with uh, some of the powers of it. You know, Educate yourself on what it can be done. But don't get lost in the weeds of figuring out how to make all that those things happen. There's a ton of people out there that are willing to do that. Some better than others, obviously, because they put in the dues and the time like yourself and your team. But go for that versus trying to figure it out all by yourself. I guarantee that the, the, the leverage is there. And I don't want to demean like what your company does in any way, but I'm going to compare that to almost like the landscaper, right? I could definitely cut my, cut the lawn. I could definitely pull weeds. Uh, you know, I did all those things as a kid, right? But today, it doesn't make any sense for me to spend my time doing that. Um, so I very happily pay the gardener whatever they they want to come and do that and let them be really good at that and make my yard look beautiful and all that. But I can't afford to do it. It's not a matter of can I or should I, it's I can't afford to because of what I have to be focused on in my business time. And then in my personal time, I want that for my family. You know, Absolutely. I, I don't want that spent doing yard work or working on my car or anything else that I could do, but really shouldn't do because I'm not really the best at it. Mm-hmm. No, I agree 100%. I'm the guy that uh, that farms out just about everything that I possibly can outside of these things. Yeah, the things uh, with so. your core competency. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I just I, I think that's such a huge productivity um, tip for everybody out there. If you're, you're thinking, well, gosh, what should I who should I be learning with? Who should I study with? <laughs> Go get whatever education you feel like so you understand it, but then move on. Now, mm-hmm. you're using uh, not only Infusionsoft, but you also use Fixer Funnel in your business. How are you using Fixer Funnel? Well, I use the dialer uh, more than anything right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have telemarketers that dial for me, and so we call small businesses and uh, give them the opportunity to – to learn a little bit more about our services through, by using uh, what we consider to be a trust trigger product, something that's high value, low cost, see if they want to get involved with us. And then from there, we talk to them about the other things that we may be able to do. So it's just basically a way of being able to get people into our funnel and then ultimately being able to uh, hopefully turn them into customers. What kind of leverage did using the dialer bring to you? Oh, it, you know, it's huge leverage simply because I was able to reach large numbers of people that I wasn't able to reach before. See, I believe that you always have to spend time doing things uh, differently than other people. And there's there aren't many other marketing companies that are out there reaching out to people using telemarketing. Um, we also use uh, the send, uh, send out cards uh, module oh, yeah. as well. and uh, a few others. So we include a number of different ways of being able to reach people, uh, multi-level, I mean, uh, multimedia um, multimedia approach to to getting to people. And that's what really works. Most people tend to market 
and only send one email or two emails, but they say, what, it takes seven touches before people actually uh, hear you? I mean, that's that's really what you want to be out there doing, having seven different touches and make sure that you're reaching people so that they finally say yes or notice you. Well, on a prior podcast, we were actually touching, talking about that topic of touches. And uh, it's interesting because I my definition of touch is when you actually have the prospect engage, not just when you're knocking on their door, but they have to actually open up the door and say, okay, let's have a conversation. So, I mean, we can do calls. And if we don't leave voicemails, for example, then we just because we called them doesn't mean we have a touch. We got to actually have some sort of engagement, even if it's with a voicemail, right? Right. In order for us to be able to start getting closer to that point where we're going to be able to flip them into a, a real prospect that can become a customer. Well, That's you know what I love about what you're doing there, too, is uh, I see so many people running away from things that work because they require a little work. And going towards things that are easy because they have no cost, but not recognizing what the real cost is on that. Uh, one of my marketing mentors is Dan Kennedy, who I'll frequently you know mention or or quote or what have you. But he he gets into this. Obviously, he's selling direct mail because that's a big thing about what he does. That's ultimately the center of his business, right? Mm-hmm. Is is selling these. Uh, writing sales sales letters letters. yeah (laughs) so you know obviously there's some bias towards that but you know even taking that into consideration he talks about there is a cost to every communication attempt so if we try to do that with email and it's not being effective and that's all we do we may think it's it's free but there was a cost because we had each email as an attempt to communicate with them and if it's disregarded then we continue to go down that route. We actually start to lose trust. And you mentioned trust trigger, which I want to come back to because that's an interesting phrase. But, you know, when you go multimedia, you give yourself a greater chance of having an effective communication opportunity happen and a real quote unquote touch towards mm-hmm. that sales process. Um, so going back to that trust trigger, um, is that a phrase you came up with or where did you, because I, I haven't heard that phrase before, but it intrigues me. Well, you know, it's one that uh, that I've used uh, quite a bit in the past. Uh, basically, it's just a method of being able to create trust with with people. In order for someone to decide that they want to do business with you, we all know that they have to three things have to happen. They have to know you, they have to like you, and they have to trust you. So we have to find some way of being able to trigger that trust or make them uh, see what it is that uh, we're able to do. And so we do that by providing them with something of high value and low cost. So, you know, we do that by, and that's how we create trust. And then from that trust, you're able to create uh, like, and then hopefully you get to know people within that period as well. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, In fact, you know, to that point, we were kind of talking before we started the interview about uh, my jaded nature. <laughs> <laughs> and but yes. in, in reality, um, the people that we were talking about, they really use trust triggers in order to put themselves in a position where they can become, quote unquote, celebrities in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for people who are wondering, I'll fill in the rest of the blanks. I was just saying that sometimes it, it frustrates me that uh, those trust triggers work so well. <laughs> Because we end up having sometimes characters that give advice that people uh, buy into, repeat, but then when they actually try and implement, find out that it was total garbage. <laughs> right. 
right. it's, it's, but that goes to show the power of a, you know, a real good trust trigger because it can even help people buy stuff that's total garbage and, and think it's true. Mm-hmm. Well, here the, the important thing of the trust trigger is that you continue with a relationship of trust. And, you know, yeah. if, you know, if, if your, your values and what you're doing are, are, are in conflict, you know, meaning that you're, you, you say that your value, your value, I'm sorry, you say that you're going to provide something of high, um, high value and low cost, and then ultimately provide people with garbage. What happens is when there's conflict like that, people get a chance to see it and they recognize it right away. And so you want to make sure that you keep yourself and your values in line uh, with your actions or keep your yeah. actions in line with your values. Otherwise, you know, the whole thing blows up in your face. And that, that's the important part, I think, too, is because sometimes you see people who it's obvious that they don't have this long-term perspective because they're doing just what you described. They're mm-hmm. they're doing a bait and switch or maybe they just really don't understand value. You know, I, I won't say that everybody's malicious in their intent. I think some people just don't realize that what they're saying doesn't really have impact, but they've mm-hmm. bought into it. And they can, you know, at some point convince themselves. But regardless, you know, for those of us who do understand, then we have to make make darn sure that we're providing real value when we try to to create that trust environment, so that there's substance behind it, right? Right. And that's how you form a business that's going to last. Um, I personally, I could not work if I did was building something that was just going to be for a few months or a year, or was what I call a money grab. Is it just why put forth that much effort for something like that when you could put forth effort, the same amount of effort and actually create something substantial that will last, you know, that has real value in the marketplace beyond just the, the earning of money. But it's something that other people might say, oh, I'd like to I'd like to own that. I'd like to purchase that business. Correct. And, you know, that's the way that I always try and look at my businesses is how could I build it so that it's so valuable and what we're doing and what we're creating that other people would want to, they would be willing to buy what I'm, I've built. And it, because ultimately, like going back to uh, Michael Gerber, he says at the end of the day, even if nobody else buys it, you've bought it. So, mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> so, so you better make sure it's something worth buying if, if you're the one that's going to end up buying it. That's right. That's right. You know, one of the things that I see, uh, all the time is that uh, people spend time trying to figure out what it is that they should do, how they're supposed to go about doing things. But the bottom line is you have to make sure that your values are in place. And if they are, then you'll be fine. I mean, that's where people run into run afoul most of the time in their business. And so you have to make sure that those things are solid. And if so, then it becomes easy to figure out how to build the business because it ultimately will build itself. Right. And I think that's important, too, to look at if you're going to follow people's advice, go look at what they're doing, you know, in terms of like not what they're showing, but what they're actually doing, because that's a different story. Right. Right. Um, you go look at opportunity marketers, people are selling opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. ops or what have you. And the, essentially the, the sales pitch is do very little work, get big money. But if you look at what they're doing to sell, mm-hmm. do very little work, big money, it's a whole lot of work. It's a whole lot of work and not a lot of money. <laughs> well, and it could even be big money, but it's a whole mm-hmm. lot of work too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if, if you're getting advice, 
go look and see what people are doing. They're giving the advice. And if it matches up, bingo, right? You're, you're where you need to be. And that's where like, it, it's really imperative that you're doing what you're doing in that you're demonstrating how to market properly by going multimedia, by using the phone, you know, by using email appropriately, you know, by using each of these different medias in a way that you can demonstrate in the process of attracting and selling customers what needs to be done. Right. And so they can, they can not only just listen to what you have to say, they can look and see Casey actually is doing what he preaches. Mm-hmm. And because there's that consistency, that's at least that's the measure I try to use when I'm evaluating who should I be listening to. Mm-hmm. And I may listen to people that aren't congruent that way, but then I'm listening to them and understanding that it's entertainment, right? Absolutely. So, and if that's the case, then that's great. Be entertained. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but by all means, don't get confused with entertainment and actual practical advice that's going to take you where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the reasons that I got into this business is because I found out that, uh, well, not really the reason, but one of the reasons that I stay and I really try to make this work is because when you build a business, you want something that's going to that's going to have some kind of longevity. Uh, You want something that's going to last. And one of the things that I found is that if you don't if you're not aligned, it's not going to last in that way. But here's the important thing that that uh, that really made me want to get into this business, and that is that uh, you know right now, 35% of non-governmental employees work for companies that are 100 people or smaller, and that's the niche that I work in. Yeah. Okay. That number is supposed to go up to about 50% by 2025, which means that there are going to be a ton of small businesses coming into this market that are going to need some kind of help. And my job, the way that I see it, is if, I, if I'm able to help people now and build it to the point where I can help a larger group of people, ultimately, a lot of those people will, will work with us. And if I'm incongruent with how I'm doing things versus and, – and, and if, my, if my values and how I'm doing things are not congruent, then people are going to know. And you can't be in the marketplace with uh, with people knowing what's going on. It's just it just creates a bigger problem for you. You never get long lasting business. Yeah, I mean, you can run something for a year or two that way, but then it's going to start to fall apart on you, or or you're going to fall apart on it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> One or another, it's coming down. Mm-hmm. But and so and that's why I, I would we even have gone this long into this whole line of, of talking for people listening is you really look at your own business, think about your own business and say, is this something that's going to last? And if not, you know, I'd even encourage you to think about, well, then what, what are you, why are you doing it right now? You know, is it a foundation for something bigger? Cause that mm-hmm. can happen sometimes. I mean, I look at our training company and we knew going into that training company that, it only had a two to three year life because it was a temporary problem that we knew how to solve. Okay. And so I was totally cool with that. You know, I understood that that was what it was going to be. Now we still built it as though it were going to last forever. And that was a good thing too, because it ended up paying us for about uh, four years now since we stopped selling into it because we built it that way. And we really cared about the people and the, you know, the problems they're facing. But if you look at, at anything, um, and you build it that way, even if it's going to be a temporary gig, if you're just solving a, a problem that's a here and now problem and not a forever problem, right? Uh, still build it as though it were going to last forever. And if you do that, 
it will change. You know, the people that you serve will see that. The people that that are your customers will recognize that, and they'll even want to follow you when that business ends into whatever your next business is. Right. Because they're going to recognize integrity. They're going to recognize expertise and they're going to want to continue to see what you can bring to them beyond that. It's, it's kind of interesting to me today and probably some of the people listening to this podcast really have nothing to do with Infusionsoft or Fix Your Funnel, but are business owners that were attracted to us during our last business. And the reason why is because they found good advice because we were really trying to build something to last. Absolutely. So I think that's a, a big key for everybody listening is look at your business. Think about how can I make this last? And how can I build this on solid principles? So now you work with small business owners, helping them with their marketing just in general. Infusionsoft is just a tool, in, obviously, in your tool belt to address that problem of, you know, how do I market or sell my business? Do you have kind of an approach you take people through as they become a new customer of yours? Well, the first thing that we have to do is learn as much as we can about them. We're spending time with them, a bunch of time, really trying to find out what it is that they want and where they want to go. Then um, we have also what we call the 654 system. That's basically where we look at six metrics in your business. We increase them by 5% every four months. And by doing so, we wow. can improve your business by, uh, you know, by 101% at the end of a year. So you know, w- we spend time looking at those types of analytics and the 654 system is something that really changes and has really helped a number of businesses. What are a couple of those metrics? I, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to share all of your, your secrets, but right, right. what, what <laughs> well, are a couple of those metrics that you think every business owner ought to be thinking about? Well, the first thing is amount of, the amount of traffic that you have coming to your site. Okay, so what are you doing as far as traffic? You know, everybody wants to have uh, people coming to their site and, you know, want to use all these different methods. But are you measuring, really measuring what people are coming for? And then the next step, and this is probably more important than the traffic, what is the conversion rate of those people? How many of those people uh, that are coming to your site are actually converting and uh, picking up whatever it is that you have there? You know, then you begin looking at, uh, you know, a number of other things that – you know, that really are, uh, I guess, important to the business and to the structural and soundness of the business. And those types of things, then, if you begin to increase them by small numbers over a short period of time, you'll see that, you know, you can build your business and increase your business in ways that you might have never thought. Um, That falls very similar into the the mode of thinking that I take in terms of my approach. My approach is slightly different, but still, you, you, it relies on that same kind of foundation. You have to have some key metrics in place mm-hmm. to measure what's going on in the business. My way I look at it is, and maybe you'll, you'll probably agree with this, but I'll let you disagree if that's your, if the case. But the way I look at it is, a business is actually a living entity, and it actually wants to grow, and it will communicate to the business owners and employees what it needs in order for it to go to the next level. And if the business owner is in tune with that, which it sounds like that's a big part of what you're doing with them is helping them to get in tune with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think a business just wants to double. I think it would really love to triple, quadruple, you know, 10 times itself every year if it could. I I believe as an entity that business wants to to really manifest itself in as big a way as, as possible. And really it's just a matter of, will the business owner and the, and the uh, employees go along with it? And that's kind of the way I think and, and look at the business. And um, 
there's a guy named Dr. Goldratt who I've quoted before on this podcast, but um, he wrote a book called The Goal. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Okay. So one of the things he talks about in that book is that there can only be one limitation on a system at any point in time. <laughs> and so what I like to do is I like to look at the metrics and ask the metrics, tell me where the limitation is right now in this business. Is it in our ability to get leads? Is it in our ability to convert leads to customers? Is it our ability to fulfill on the promises made in marketing and sales? Is it on our ability to collect money? You know, where is where is it that we are limiting you as a business? And then the business can let us know where the limitation is by looking at those metrics. And then we focus all our effort and attention on first releasing that until it, it, it manifests the next you know, limitation. Right. So the case in point is we had this uh, uh, done for you service back with our other business that we called the perpetual money machine. <laughs> okay. And basically what it was is they would invest in us. We did done for you marketing for uh, the real estate agent mm -hmm. for this particular niche of problem. And, you know, when people came in, we did interviews and asked them all their metrics to, you know, make sure that they were people that could actually benefit from getting more leads because that was their big uh, challenge was they didn't have enough leads. And it's interesting when you, when you got their metrics, you know, if they got a lead, they listed it, you know, there was a, cl they closed that sale and then every listing they took, they ended up selling and, you know, boom, everything's successful. So it's just hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent going down the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you know what I know, which is where's that limitation? It's in their ability to generate leads. That's it. That's that's right where it is. So yeah. we uh, we increased that by um, tenfold, <laughs> and then suddenly the business starts falling apart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can't follow up. They can't. You know, they can hardly get back to everybody calling in. Mm -hmm. um, next thing you know, their conversion percentage is down at like four percent. Exactly. And you, they're mystified. They're like, I don't understand what's going on. But the reality is that what looked like this perfect oiled machine once you broke the limitation then showed where the next limitation which in their case was conversion mm -hmm. and no doubt if we broke conversion then it would show up in maybe production or whatever and maybe so on down the line but it's interesting to watch a business and in this case we just had 21 businesses that were in this group it's interesting to watch each one of them deal with those differently because of the 21 only one of them had a follow-up system in place mm-hmm and so they were the only ones that didn't have that that same level of problem they were doing better they were still they weren't four percent they were like eight ten percent but mm -hmm. you know it's interesting to watch a, a business reveal itself and that's where we started to really pick up on what dr goldratt was talking about in manufacturing and and uh like project management world and then bring it into marketing and business and just see how that applied to the whole business as a funnel versus Whatever. Did you ever get a copy of my book, uh, How to Fix Your Funnel? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact, and looked at that and uh, and really liked it, enjoyed everything that was in there. Let me say, though, let me just yeah. step back one second to what you were just talking about. It's very interesting that you mentioned that because uh, for quite some time, I've, I've actually been a real estate broker. And uh, I've applied this same thing in my business and the business of other, pe other uh, uh, agents. Uh-huh. And have had initially ran into the same problems that you did, yeah. but then uh, you know used the, uh, the the life cycle marketing and basically have 
crack the code, if you will, yeah. for real estate agents. And uh, I've had some great success uh, working it. with real estate agents because, listen, the biggest thing, like you said, is that they're looking for a method to be able to take all of this and work. Now, what I did was I kind of co-opted a few things that were already out there. But in doing that, um, we systemized it using Infusionsoft and other, other things and were able to make that work. But you're absolutely correct. You fix one thing and then you realize where the limitations are in other places and then you have to fix each of those. And once you do, now you're okay. But most people don't go through all the processes of, of actually doing that. And that's where the businesses end up falling apart. Well, and for me, it's fun. You know, that's mm -hmm. the fun of it. If you can get yourself in a position where you're not in the business all the time, and that's where I, I see people getting a huge advantage working with people like yourself where you're not in the business. So you can just be working on the business, right? Right, right. But once you're in that position where, you, and I believe any business owner can do this for their business. And if they can't, they need to reevaluate and they'll find a way that they can. But once you get to that position where you can be working on the business more than you're working in the business, but the business is still working, that's where it gets really exciting and fun because now you can start observing these changes and you can start looking at it more objectively versus being in the thick of thin things and getting lost by all the minutiae. And once you get to that spot, it is so fun. Mm -hmm. You go look at the business and say, okay, what is it doing? What is it telling me? And you just listen to the thing and, and respond to it and it will help you to grow in terms of not just revenue, but profitability. And, you know, sometimes more, less is more, you know, yeah. <laughs> you might find ways that you actually reduce the number of people you're working with and at the same time, increase profits and profitability. So your margins go through the roof. I mean, uh, a very obvious case that's out in the marketplace is, is uh, Facebook. If you look at Facebook over the last four years, Back in 2011, they had zero mobile revenue and no revenue coming from mobile in 2011. But they looked at their business and they said, what is the business trying to tell us? And they noticed that there was this growing trend. It was small at the time, but a growing trend of people who were accessing Facebook principally on mobile. Mm -hmm. And so they you can look at the, the chart. The chart has zero one quarter and then all of a sudden it's got a bump, you know, the next quarter, which tells me not that it didn't exist before that zero. They just weren't tracking it. Right. But they, they were able to sit down somehow and look and realize something's happening here. And they had this limitation where they weren't addressing mobile properly. They changed that. Fast forward two years. Now, one third of their $3.2 billion in revenue is coming from mobile ads and they have like an 85% profit margin. Now, if they hadn't made that change, you know, if they hadn't been paying attention to what the business is trying to tell them to do and made that adjustment for it, they would have had a 19% profit margin. Right. So right. it's pretty incredible to, you know, that's a, a very like extreme case, but that just illustrates this whole point that you, you talk about of knowing your metrics and seeing what the business is trying to tell you and then responding to that. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's, it's even simpler than that. Uh, you know, and I tell people this all the time. If you have a, um, let's say a 10% conversion rate yeah, and we can turn that into a 20% conversion rate, what so have we done? We've business. just doubled your business. But what's even better is you've increased the profitability because you didn't, you more likely than not did not increase uh, your expenses in line with that increase of 20, you know, doubling. 
Exactly. So your your expenses that may have remained stat, you know, the same are now offset by all this new income. Because rarely does the cost of goods match up, you know, pace and pace with new sales. Right. You're absolutely right, and that's and that's the that's the beauty of being able to use some some kind of automated marketing systems and then also being able to track and use analytics in order to determine what is going on at any given time. One of the great things is that when we sit down with uh, our clients, we say, look, you know, you can see everything at the end of every month. You'll see exactly where you are uh, and where we want to go. So there's no question as to whether or not you're actually making the uh, the metrics, you're meeting the metrics that we're looking for because it's all right there. Well, and, and I've argued that a lot of people say, you know, Infusionsoft is all about automation, but I would argue that the biggest benefit Infusionsoft brings to business is actually data. Mm-hmm. You know, just like what you're saying, the ability for the business owner to see what's actually happening, not the, the discount automation. Obviously, that's a huge part in how this is all possible. Mm-hmm. But the biggest benefit is to now to make intelligent business decisions instead of just shooting from the hip, which is what mm-hmm. most entrepreneurs end up having to do just simply because they don't have the information. Right. The information that you get from Infusionsoft, uh, the analytics tells you how to grow. Yeah. You know, that tells you how to grow, what you need to do in order to grow. Just like you're saying, what is it that's limiting us? Where do we see the limitation? And, uh, you know, I had to chuckle when you, when you mentioned uh, that every system has uh, one limiting factor because I say that all the time. you got to figure out what that is. And if you don't know what it is, then you know, you'll you'll never be able to grow. You're your just business. shooting in the dark. See, that's and that's this is where I get frustrated when uh, people are told, "Hey, you just don't. You're not using enough Infusionsoft. That's why you're not making money with it yet." Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like, no, no. The reason you're not making money with Infusionsoft, you're not seeing the benefits of it, is because you're you're using it in the wrong area of your business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like, and I see this all the time with people where maybe what helped them in the beginning was lead generation. So then they become obsessed with lead generation to the point that they are generating so many leads that never convert that it's ridiculous. Right. And they're spending a ton of money, a ton of effort. They're focusing on new whiz bang. Oh, what's the latest squeeze page that's working or what's Mm -hmm. this? And all their focus is there and they never take the time to look and realize, oh, crap, I'm generating a ton of leads and my conversion has gone down to nothing. Right. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm still making the same kind of money, but maybe all my leads aren't actually doing any good for me. Maybe that's just a waste of time, money, effort, resources, or what have you. Mm-hmm. And there's no evaluation of really what is it that's going to cause the business to grow. And as a result, it just continues and continues and continues. Right. Well, you know, that's, uh, you know, when I talk to people, oftentimes when I walk into a business, I tell them, look, what we're going to do is we're going to take these seven systems and we're going to make them operate as efficiently and effectively as possible. So we start off with attracting traffic and then capturing leads, then nurturing those leads and then converting those people into sales and then deliver and satisfy. Then you upsell. And then the last is to get testimonials and referrals. So when I walk into a business, and I'm sure you see the same thing, Mm -hmm. most businesses will have only two of those systems operating, you know, anywhere. I can't even say at at optimal levels, but that is uh, that is uh, the two uh, that you see converting to sales and deliver and satisfy. Yep, because otherwise they they wouldn't have a business. Well, you know, there's there's some businesses that don't even go to the sales part. 
They only mm-hmm. take whatever walks in the door. So like I have a, a, I don't know if it's a video that's publicly available or not, but I talk about the business maturity cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that all businesses start with the fulfillment because that's what happens. Somebody goes, hey, uh, why isn't nobody doing this? Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm sure somebody else needs it, right? Right, right. Um, and so then that's the beginning of the business is, is really just fulfilling on whatever the, the idea is of the business. And then at some point they're like, you know what? Nobody's walking in the doors. Maybe we should go see if we can get somebody to walk in the doors. And then they start with sales. Hopefully they mature you know, further into the marketing where they start attracting the people before they start hunting them. And then once they get to that point, a lot of businesses just stop there. So, you know, if, if they get to the marketing, like you say, they stop at sales if they don't get to the marketing. But if they get to the marketing and sales, that's it. You know, suddenly they found the golden ticket and they're done. They don't realize the importance of, um, I I don't know if retention's listed on the perfect customer lifestyle, but retention's an important aspect where I see people just lose tons of money. Right. Um, but there's retention, referrals, and upsells. You know, th- those are those next layers that come around it. Mm-hmm. And if you don't add those layers on, you never really get to the real magnifier of your business. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think it falls into that deliver and satisfy, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. If you don't, you know, it, it costs so much less money. Uh, I think it's 12 times uh, less to keep someone than to have to go out and find a new person, uh, you know, a new client. So you want to make sure that you retain people and that's part of that deliver and satisfy. If you don't, then you can forget about it. You'll never be able to uh, to build your business. And what I say about particularly referrals and testimonials, huge because what that does, you know, we're talking about seven different systems and probably about 80% of the time of that of those systems is really spent on the first three. Okay, yeah. the first three systems, about 80% of the time. So what happens is if I get a referral, that person almost immediately uh, jumps into that third, uh, that third or fourth system, which means I'm saving about 80% of time trying to convert them, trying to attract the traffic, trying to engage with them, all the things that I would normally have to do, they immediately drop in to deliver and satisfy or convert to sales, which is huge because I'm saving so much time. And of course, we all know that time is money. Well, that's awesome. This has been an an awesome uh, interview. I really appreciate your insights and everything. Um, love for this to continue on but i have a question for you and that question is what is that number one success principle that has guided Mm. you to growth and the success that you've enjoyed uh it's the until formula and i think we talked about jim rome before and that's one of those things it's the until formula you know you keep going until I mean, every tree grows until it dies. You know, every you know ant continues to uh, to gather until you know it dies. You know, we should be the same way. And, you know, because of because we have the dignity of choice. He says, uh, basically, we choose oftentimes not to do certain things. But the bottom line is, I'm one of those guys that either you'll see me waving at the top of the mountain or dead on the side of the road. There's no space for me in between, none whatsoever. That's huge. You know, I, and I can recognize that in all the successful people that I know is they are not satisfied with just doing it halfway. Right. Once they commit to something, they're all in. Mm-hmm. 
So that's great. Thank you for reminding us about that. Casey, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I know this is going to be one that people are going to want to listen to again and again. Well, I certainly hope so. And thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Oh, by the way, how do people get a hold of you if they wanted to talk to you more? Oh, good question. Uh, my website is uh, www.kcgleaton.com. That's K-C-G-L-E-A-T-O-N.com. Uh, that gives you uh, an ability to reach out for me. Uh, but we also have Mindshare Media, which is the company that does most of the uh, the CMO work or chief marketing officer work. And that's Mindshare, M-I-N-D-S-H-A-R-E-Media. Dot com. And so I can always be reached at KC at KCGleaton.com. Very cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Yeah.